Welcome to episode 189 of Live Happy Now. This is your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us today to bring in the new year. We're kicking off 2019 with a topic that most of us can relate to. If you've been feeling overwhelmed lately, you're going to love what we're talking about today. Dr. Samantha Brody is author of the book, Overcoming Overwhelm, and also founder of the Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. Samantha sat down to talk with Live Happy editor Chris Libby about why we're feeling so overwhelmed these days and what we can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. I know you're busy and thank you for taking the time. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think this is a topic that a lot of people deal with, but they don't necessarily know what they're dealing with. In your new book, You Overcoming Overwhelm, you outline a new understanding of what it means to be overwhelmed in today's world. Can you explain the difference of what being overwhelmed is and why it's different from just regular old stress? Yeah, absolutely. So overwhelm and stress are incredibly tightly woven in so far as that it's very hard to pull them apart, although they're not the same thing. So I think about stress as being the response that we have to overwhelm. And overwhelm is an accumulation of the stresses we have in our lives and how we respond to it in a psychological way, in a physiological way, in an emotional way, kind of across the board. So I think about overwhelm as being not just the big things that impact us, but the accumulation of the big, the small, the minutiae that we might not even realize are impacting our overall state and increasing our stress load. So why do you think stress management techniques are just, like in your book, you call them just band-aids for what is an underlying uh, larger problem? Yes. You know, I don't want to throw stress management under the bus because it's extremely important to have tactics and techniques to deal with stress when we are under stress. There's no way to get away from that. It's life, right? Things are going to happen. And even when we don't expect them to happen, they're going to happen. But the stress of living life and being on this planet and going day over day and week over week and year over year, ultimately your stress increases. You get additional things that get added on and added on and added on. It's like the to-do list that's never ending. And if all we're doing is managing it, at some point we can no longer keep the stress down enough by just managing it. So I like to think about that as kind of a boat filling with water, right? You get more and more coming in and you're bailing and bailing and bailing. And at some point, you just can't bail enough. And so having good stress management tactics and often outside the box stress management tactics are things I recommend because sometimes the more traditional things that we think about may not work for us. But to also look at getting underneath the stress in the first place and lower the overall load by addressing the accumulation instead of just continuing to say, okay, I'm going to meditate or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to get a mani-pedi or, you know, whatever typical thing it is that we might do that feels good, but doesn't change the overall underlying situation. So then what happens when we don't address these problems? How does it affect our health and well-being? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it really varies from person to person and it varies from season to season. So there are many times where when we don't deal with our stress, it's obviously, or we don't deal with the accumulation of stresses, it obviously impacts us as the feeling of, oh, I am stressed. But often it will manifest itself in whatever your weak spot is. And so for one person, that weak spot might actually be emotional and be, say, anxiety symptoms. That's physiological as well, but you know, some kind of crossover. But sometimes it's just a straight physical symptom that you have a disposition to. So for instance, headaches 
you know, we can look at, well, do we have headaches because we have a bad pillow or headaches because we have a food sensitivity or headaches because we're banging our head against a wall for an hour and a half a day, you know, but ultimately the headaches are going to be an accumulation of different things that impact us, right? Mm -hmm. And so looking at the you know, if that's your weak spot, that's where it's likely to show up. And so instead of just, you know, taking an Advil or saying, all right, we're going to go on, med- um, you know, preventive medication for headaches, we want to look at how can we decrease the overall load, the things that are leading directly to the headache, such as the bad pillow or the food, but also unraveling all of the other things that might be increasing your overall stress load, making it so you don't have the bandwidth for your body to be able to deal with the problem in the first place. Can you talk about what the bucket theory is and how this relates to overwhelm? Yes, absolutely. So I touched on that in over the course of the last few questions, but I, you know, more specifically, I think about our ability to handle stress as being represented with a bucket. And some people are born with these tiny little buckets. Other people are born with great big buckets. And, you know, there are some things that can change the size of your bucket, but for the most part, that's kind of what you get. Uh, There are things that, you know, another way to think about that is resilience, right? So we have different people have a different amount of resilience naturally, and then we fill up that bucket with different things. So I think about all of the little stresses, this big, the small, the minutiae that fill up that bucket. And when it's full, it overflows and you end up with whatever that weak spot is for you, you end up with that is how your stress is going to manifest. And I look at that bucket as being filled with pretty, you know, there are certain, everyone has their own stresses, right? Everyone's different top to bottom, but there are certain categories of stresses that we tend to see impacting people, you know, across different demographic groups. And that's going to be environmental stress, nutritional stress, the stress of whatever kind of genetic disposition you have, the stress of your history and what you've been through in your past, financial stress, relationship stress, right? There are certain things that are going to fill this up. And then little stresses, like, you know, the, one of the examples I give in my book is in my office where I see patients, you know, I do some of my work online and some of my work seeing patients in person. And in my office where I see patients in person, every time I would pull out my keyboard tray, it would go, and every time I'd push it in, it would go, you know, and this drove me crazy for gosh, I'm going to say a year. And I kept trying to fiddle with things and nothing was working. And it was actually this little tiny thing that kept happening over and over again was a significant stress. And my deciding to go ahead and take the drawer apart, then realizing on the other side of that, that it was not going to be able to be fixed and deciding, oh, I'm just going to have to live with it. It's something I'm going to choose not to change. It then became something that no longer stressed me because I'm, I was kind of taking control of that thing back into my own hands. So the you know, accumulation of things is kind of where we end up seeing the bucket overflowing and knowing that there are things in the bucket that we can choose, you know, what we're going to choose to change, what we're going to change, and then what we're going to choose not to change, what we choose to change, not change, and then say, all right, for now, I'm not going to change this, right? This is something at this point, I'm not going to do anything about. Okay. So I'm glad you brought up that about making decisions to change. Because when I think of being overwhelmed, it's because I'm trying to do everything. And you talk about prioritizing and finding true north values, which I thought was fascinating. How do we know if something aligns with our true north? How can we tell if that's what we need to be prioritizing? Right. First of all, I just want to say I agree with you that you can't try to do everything, right? It's it's literally impossible, even if it's just the things you want to do. Forget about your responsibilities, right? If you started to list out all the things you want to do, you couldn't do them all. So prioritizing is imperative. And looking at True North Values, they actually, the whole first section of my book 
is geared toward identifying what your true north values are. And that's looking at what is most important to you as far as your big picture core values. So for someone that might be family or it might be charity or giving, and for someone else, it might be ease or, you know, things like that. And then we also, in order to find what your true north is, I recommend that people also look at how they want to feel. Because if you look at just what your values are or just what you want to accomplish, but you leave out what you want to feel, you then end up making choices that might cause you to not live your life in a way that lines up with what's most important to you. So there's your values, but let's say you have a value of family, right? Your family is very important to you. So you do everything for your family and you never do anything for yourself and you're driving your kids everywhere and you're cooking, you know, five meals a day and different meals for all your kids, you know, whatever those things are that are accumulating. You can tell I'm a mom, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) With a bad story right there. So, but that may line up with your values, but it wouldn't line up with how I would say personally, I want to feel right. So for me, understanding that I want to feel, you know, the happy isn't necessarily a word that is important to me to feel on a daily basis. But I do want to feel at ease and comfortable, right. And someone else might want to feel joy every day. And so understanding the specificity about how you want to feel in addition to what's most important to you allows you to really, really have a set plan for being able to that what choices you're going to make on a day-to-day basis to make sure that it's lined up. And so, you know, there's really only one priority you can have at any given moment. You can have many important things in your life, but being able to say right now, this is my priority and it does line up with what I want to create for myself in my life. So when somebody is going through this process of trying to fix their problem with being overwhelmed. Can you talk a little bit about failure and why that's not necessarily a bad thing when you go through this process? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been thinking a lot about this concept recently, actually, because there's one piece where we want to say, well, we want to fail forward, right? You can't, if you don't have, and for instance, my kids' school, the teachers say to them, you know, you want to fail because if you don't fail at something, then you won't learn and grow and make different choices. But I really think about that differently. I really think about it as, the fact that you can't really fail when you're talking about self-care or when you're talking about growth or when you're talking about expanding or when you're talking about creating a life that lines up with what's most important to you. It's all part of the process of getting you to where you need to be. So every time you say, you know, choose to, let's say you have a commitment to being present with your family, yet you're sitting on the couch on your phone when your kids really want your attention. So you can say, oh, wow, I really failed at that commitment I made to myself to pay more attention to my kids. But ultimately, I really don't believe that's a failure. I believe it's your getting an opportunity to turn around and say, what is it about this situation that makes me feel driven to be on my phone? And how can I look at that and use that to make choices that do line up with my values? So sometimes it's because you're frustrated or sometimes it's because you want to check out or sometimes it's literally a brain chemistry issue where your brain is craving dopamine and being on your phone and checking your Facebook post or whatever thing it is that you do on your phone or playing that game over and over again is literally creating a chemical cascade that your body wants. So you're not failing to meet your goals. You're gathering information that helps you recalibrate. Because when we feel like we're failing, we're just piling on another layer of shaming ourselves, which then makes it harder to make good choices, not easier. 
That's true. And I'm glad you brought up shaming ourselves because this next question, I think, well, one of the chapters you call assembling your team or assemble your team. And I think one of the things that or something that people do is probably they don't want to put their burden or they feel ashamed to put their burden on somebody else. They feel like this is just my thing. I can deal with it. But can you talk a little bit why it's important to enlist people to help us and how we can do that? Yeah, this comes up often in my practice because people, we really do get the idea that we don't want to burden others. And truth be told, people who love you want to help. And allowing them to help is a gift to your friends, right? So allow leaning on our friends, you know, to a reasonable extent, right? That doesn't mean expecting that other, you know, being entitled and expecting other people are going to fix your problems for you. But making sure that you have the help that you need, whether that's asking your friends or your family or your kids to make sure that you're able to do the things that you want to do and prioritize the things that you want to prioritize and relieve some of the burden that you don't really need to have is imperative. It's impossible to do things by yourself. We're living in a culture that already has us doing so many things alone or within our nuclear families that we would normally have community support to take care of. You know, another thing where I think people feel ashamed about or they feel like it's a selfish thing to do is practice self-care. But it's not. <laughs> it's actually really no, good for you. And uh, can you explain why it's important? Self-care is, is important to your health and to keep things in balance. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I'll say is I really think about self-care differently than most people think about it. So just in the same way that I think about stress management differently, I also think about self-care differently. So sometimes self-care can look like waking up and working for an hour first thing before you meditate or go for a walk because that's your most productive time. Sometimes self-care can look like saying no. Sometimes self-care can look like I don't know, whatever the thing is, it's lining your choices up with your values. But we also need to do the little things to make sure we have room to deal with stresses as they come up. And if self care tactics, like, you know, manicures and pedicures or baths or meditation, if those things help you feel better and make more space in your bucket for stress, then those are really important. But ultimately, whatever it is that helps you feel like the choices you're making are lining up with your own values as much as you possibly can is what to me real self-care is. And without doing that, then we are living a life where we can't really give the way we want to give and do what we want to do and be there for the people we love in the way that we want to because we're resentful and tired and overwhelmed. Because ultimately, getting, you know, being less overwhelmed, being less tired, being less irritable, being more present allows us not just to feel better, but to meet our, you know, to meet the people in our lives in a way that helps them too. Now, aside from running out and grabbing your book and buying your book, what are some <laughs> what are about three tips that you can provide that can help people manage their overwhelm? That's a great question. So, you know, you don't have to buy the book to get clear about what your values are and how you want to feel. I have those exercises in my book, but those are things that exercises in my book, but those are things that you can also do on your own. So you can be looking at making choices that line up with your values, but you can also at any given time, you can think, is this something that really makes sense for me? And some tips for that are, you know, something that I often recommend to people, especially people who are over givers, who are overwhelmed because they too much on their plate specifically is to not say yes right away to anything. So to hear the question and then say,
say, oh, I don't, I can't answer that for you right now. I need to check my calendar or, oh, I really need to give that some thought. It sounds like a great idea. And then giving yourself some space to be able to then come around on the other side and say, oh, you know what? That's not going to work for me right now. So I'm, you know, I'll get back to you by email. Let me think about that. I'll go ahead and get back to you tonight (laughs) to give yourself the space to be able to say no and not feel guilty about it and to, you know, be able to frame it in a way that allows you to get out of taking on things that burden you. So that's one tip that I love. Another thing is to get clear about, let's say, you know, three things that you could do in five minutes that would decrease your stress. And that's not massage your own feet. It's what things can you do with the space around you or your to-do list. So to come up with a couple of specific items, the way that I usually manage that is I have my to-do list, which I I always want to say to-do lists don't cause your overwhelm. To-do lists are uh, because of your overwhelm. The the expanding to-do list is because of your overwhelm. So I have part of my to-do list that I call my to do hit list. And what I do is I make a list of all of the things that I can get done in five to 10 minutes. And then every day I tackle three of them. So your list necessarily gets smaller and smaller. And even those things that are tiny things that you wouldn't think would otherwise make a big difference. So other things get prioritized. The accumulation of getting rid of those over time is really helpful. So the to do hit list saying no. And the other thing would be to, I mean, really, and this is really a self-care item is sleep to get enough sleep. So you have the bandwidth to deal with what you need to deal with. Ultimately, we think we are helping ourselves by getting more done and staying up, but getting minimum of seven, ideally eight for most people, hours of sleep and backing into how we can make that happen. So if there are things that are keeping you from sleeping, whether that's, you know, if it's a medical condition, it's getting, you know, support from your doctor or naturopath or some other qualified healthcare professional who can help you get at it in a way that lines up with your values. If it's that you are can't get yourself off your phone, you can set your phone to brick at a certain time so you can't use it anymore. If it's that you it's the only time quiet time you have during the day to see if you can carve out a half an hour during the day at another time so you can get to sleep, right? So to look at to come up with whatever's keeping you from getting the sleep that you need and then making it literally an action plan for each of those items to address them. Well, thank you for joining us today. This has been great. The book is called Overcoming Overwhelm and it's out now. So wherever you buy books. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That was Samantha Brody, author of the book, Overcoming Overwhelm. To learn more about Samantha's book and what else she can teach you on this topic, visit us at livehappynow.com. We also wanted to remind you that we're now part of the Pandora Podcast Network, so you can find us on the Pandora mobile app for Apple and Android phones. And you can still find us on the Apple Podcast Network or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search for Live Happy Now and subscribe today so you'll never miss an episode. That's all we have time for today. So please join us back here next week for a brand new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.